0: And give will you right That's right, ladies and gentlemen. It's Saturday, and that means it's time for one thing. It's time for the podcast where the quality goes in before the name goes on. You're listening to the Best Linux Games Podcast, a companion piece to the uh, Steam group of the same name, If you join us on the group, our recommendations are curated with the sole criteria of It, it must, must run on Linux, and it, it must, must be, be really good. These are recommendations only, of course. Uh, not complete reviews, which generally will follow, um, especially once they get some other mofos on this show. And as always, the content that awaits you ahead it may not be appropriate for members of all species races, genders, classes, creeds, and especially might not be age or work appropriate. So It begins, let's get the Linux giving on, which is Hello, friends and neighbors, welcome to episode number three hundred and sixty nine of the best Linux Games <laughs> Crack Engineer I have War over there in the booth, holding up the whiskey sign. That's a good idea. Mm. good. Uh I have all fired. Happy Thanksgiving. is uh, it's being recorded for you on Sunday, the twenty-first of November at 18.29 p.m. Pacific Time, Left Coast Coast with the most. That would make it, of course, for our sequel friends, 2021, uh, 11, uh, what? 2021, 11, Oh, okay. That's weird. Um, 2021, 11, 18, yeah. Left Coast, Pacific Coast, Coast to the most. Uh, this is our annual What I'm Thankful For episode um in terms of the FOSS uh, but we are also gonna do uh, I don't know, like a five minute long mini feature on a new game that came out this week so, without further ado straight to our top stories thank you everyone who, uh, wished me well about my voice last week that was like really that really sucked um and because it was kind of a new experience for me like really losing my voice I had to be really careful that episode I'm still trying to kind of be mildly careful in this one but I'm fully recovered um, but like after you lose something like that like you don't take it for granted anymore and it's just it was just weird um, and of course I've been screaming like for three days at all sorts of people you know on the street mainly people that you meet when you're walking down the street these are the people in your neighborhood But uh, Okay, so our top stories. First off, in our top stories this week, uh, this Thanksgiving week, because this is our last episode before Thanksgiving. So, we should wish you and yours a happy and a safe Thanksgiving. Uh, Yes. Hopefully you're all vaccinated. Gather together and stuff yourselves full of bird meat in the traditional American way. But, in other top stories, the highly anticipated Battlefield 2042, I almost said 4022, 2042, the latest installment in the Battlefield franchise of games, single player campaign, runs fine, from what I've read on ProtonDB, multiplayer, EAC utterly borked. So once again, I will believe it when? When I see it. That's right. When I see it. I will believe it when I see it that EAC is playing nice with Linux. Um, a game that was that I pretty sure I had tried to get running, but couldn't, but now does run finally that you know, like when the fuck did this come out? Hang on. <laughs> oh, this came out okay, so this this was not this this game might never have been Borked. But it's in early access. It's called uh 30 xx Fires of Industry, and it's the first like it's the first roguelike Mega Man style Um procedurally generated side-scrolling platformer. It's this I think it's the second, because I think it's the second in a series. But uh I'm not entirely sure and no one's doing any research over here. It's a really the tutorial is really hard but the game itself is not as difficult as the tutorial. Um, But it does include a level editor and it's in early access. It's $19.99. It runs great and this scratches a very specific itch for me. You know, procedurally generated Mega Man. It's like, it's not Mega Man branded but it is a lot like any modern Mega Man, uh, you have a choice of two different characters: one with a sword, one with like a Mega Man style arm blaster, and uh, yeah, it's. I mean, I love, I love rogues. I love all flavors of rogues, generally speaking. In fact, one of the games that we're going to talk about uh, shortly is a rogue light. But before we get to that, um, a game that literally I played. The last time I played it was January 2016. Evidently snuck out of Early Access, now has a level editor and is, like, fully finished, and I can't wait to play it. Um, Paint the Town Red, which is, like, a voxel-based violence simulator. It's $19.99, but I'm sure that Uh, soon, and look, they've added so much content, including a level editor it's basically where you just inflict absolute horrific first person Minecraft style voxel carnage on any number of innocent fucking people angry people, there's a pirate level now all this shit um it's got scenarios that you know, let you brawl across, they say brawl across the ages, like, you know so it's not just the biker bar anymore um, and it has its own roguelite uh, kind of campaign mode that's not, it's separate from the scenarios that um, looks interesting, has like fantasy elements and all sorts of crazy shit but uh, I love me some voxel style anything uh, some minecraft style anything and, uh, Paint the Town Red, which allows for improvisational use of, uh, what do you call it? Uh... Um... Debris and items and stuff. Like, you can pick up, like, chair legs and tables and shit and use them as weapons. All the good stuff. Um, Paint the Town Red, which so far the reviews have been recent reviews, overwhelmingly positive for your This came out July 29th, but somehow it snuck out of early access. All reviews very positive 13,345. I do know for a fact I did after seeing that this had it somehow escaped my radar. Um, came out that, that it had finally come out of early access. Um, it was like, I was like, I have to talk about this on the show because this is fucking six years. It's like almost as long as we've been doing the podcast Paint the Town Red I've been waiting for it to come out of early access so yeah, it's $19.99 I'm sure it will go on sale probably during the winter sale maybe, maybe not, it's so new who knows up next in our top stories another roguelite Last Stand Aftermath which is basically um, faster than light Meets procedurally generated zombie carnage in a demi-isometric pseudo Half-Life 2 real-time action game Kill 'em and loot 'em. Story-driven Roguelite. Um, you know, it's two and three-quarter camera, uh, with you know, buildings turn invisible when you move behind them and stuff like that. Um takes place 15 years after the zombie apocalypse and a 5% of all humanity, the zombie apocalypse in this game happens of course as a virus um, an airborne virus uh but 5% of all the people on earth are immune, it does destroy civilization as we know it game takes place 15 years after the zombie virus you know, blah first the virus kills you, then it turns you into a zombie. Um, but 5% of everyone's immune at the start, 15 years ago. So society has collapsed and there are like enclaves of survivors, you know, in various areas of the country or whatever. And you take on the role at the start of the game of one of the people who were previously immune but who has now become infected by the zombie virus, you're going to turn into a zombie, you're going to die, and then you're going to turn into a fucking zombie and this makes you what the game, what the people in the game the survivors in the game, call a volunteer volunteers are segmented from the rest of the survivor population and kept in a special camp on the outskirts of town, on the outskirts of, you know, their enclave, called the end because it's the end of town And what you guys do is as you wait to turn into a zombie before they put you down, instead of putting you down, they put you to use. You are a volunteer. You will go on missions that normal healthy survivors who are not yet infected, the immunity is waning whatever immunity that all of the survivors had after 15 years is beginning to wane and people are becoming infected, you guys desperately need supplies, information and to connect with other, you know if there are any other people out there for help and expertise these missions are too dangerous to send normal, the last you know, remaining normal, healthy, fully immune. Uh, you, you wear a tie, so I'll know. I'll wear a tie, so you'll know it's me. Um, immune, the immune, and you, you, me, you, and the moon. I'll wear a tie so that you know which is me. Um, but they're too dangerous for the normal. A healthy population who's immune still to go on and so they send the volunteers with the volunteers of america volunteers of america you guys are going on your last mission they give you a car a gun some stuff and then send you on your merry way the map is procedurally generated every time you go until you die from it and you wire back your findings if you have a 9-volt battery and you find a transmitter, you can wire back your findings during your run, at any point during your run, if you find one and you have a 9-volt battery, back to base camp, which accrues as various different advantages that future volunteers can do, can use, can avail themselves of before they leave camp the car is instrumental in this game and it's actually a really good game Um, it's a little bit of stealth but a lot of thinking how much longer do I want to spend in this place because the whole time the number one clock that is ticking is your own infection rate inside of you which proceeds apace unless you can find um, old antiviral stations that kept the soldiers alive when they were infected and the, the antiviral itself isn't working that well but it will halt the progression of your virus meaning that you will have more time to live before you fully turn now there's a reason, there's a very compelling reason to not use any antiviral and that's because of mutations. And these aren't mutations in terms of the virus. These are the way the virus mutates you. At, there's like eight stages of infection. And the closer you get to death, the longer you live, the closer you get to death. That's just the bottom line. Um, antiviral can stave off uh, true death for a while, but you need a lot of it and there's not a lot of it available and you have to scrounge for it, so you're gonna die it's a doomed run from the beginning it's like those patches I saw a couple weeks ago I was looking at Galaga artwork and stuff and I saw a screenshot for a Galaga patch, an iron-on patch that someone had made that said uh, Galaga Suicide Squad Galaga, no suicide mission too tough or something like that, 1981 to, you know, 2019 or something like that um, which would have been a cool patch to have as an iron-on um, but that's what this is this is a suicide mission, you are going to die you're gonna try to get they're gonna try to, you're gonna try to help everybody else as much as possible before you die and you have these mutations that occur at each stage of the virus's um progression through your system and these mutations are all beneficial like by the time I try to take like melee mutations like that make me better at punching and stuff because ammo can be hard to find but um you can get uh these confer special zombie powers to you and advantages to you and if there's like, you get to pick from three of them at each phase, and I think that there's like six to eight phases of mutation before you die, and they represent the bulk of your health bar. So you can't ever recover health once... Like, okay, so like on the left side of your health bar, you have like your health. On the top of your health bar, going from the right to the left, you have the virus's progression through your system before you die the goal of the game is to get as many resources and stuff, scrounge for as many resources find as many answers and get as far as you can because you're going to a Herc checkpoint which is like a giant wall that represents like the rest of the outside world or I don't know if there's anything beyond it but I've gone halfway there and I've only played the game for like 7 hours Said second half that's always hard or harder each each run takes like you know anywhere between like 10 minutes because like I've died the second I've left um, the compound uh, in my car oh yeah that's the other thing about the car so the car represents like in Faster Than Life um the car has an engine that needs to be repaired so every trip there is some and that just represents wear and tear on the car uh, but it also requires fuel and so you have to scrounge at each location especially for fuel otherwise you ain't leaving there this the interesting thing about the game is that the zombies aren't particularly smart in this game which is good and you have really good weapons generally which is good like if you're talking about firearms but you don't have a lot of ammo and Aiming is really hard in the game, which is also good and I think fairly realistic. I would like to say, I would like to think that I would have a somewhat better chance than most of the volunteers at hitting a zombie at, you know, 15, 20 yards than the volunteers do, but otherwise it's just very realistic and very good, and there's a plethora, a huge variety of fucking weapons and armaments that you can have in, on top of, you know your ranged weapon, you have melee weapons, and then you have your fucking, put, put up your fucking dukes and just beat the shit out of zombies and then, you know, curb stomp them so there's a little bit of stealth, there's also a little bit of uh fast and light, there's a little bit of action there's a lot of action actually it's an action game, but ultimately every place that you stop on the map, you have one burning question. One, where is the gas? Two, how damaged is my vehicle? You always want to repair your vehicle before you move on to explore the area. And then how many zombies are there and how what how far do I want to go in this area as my infection progresses? How much shit do I need to loot before I move on to the next? And that choice is up to you. When you die, it's permanent. You start off as another volunteer. But if you can wire back your findings and stuff, they can benefit from all of your expertise and eventually you can unlock, you know, various different advantageous um inventory items and stuff like that uh, that makes the game easier for you to get to progress further. Just like faster than light. Um, I don't know what awaits beyond the wall. I haven't gone beyond the wall somewhere beyond the wall. Um, but the game is a very interesting take on it's interesting on many different levels. Like it's very cool that they have this story that's held together by you are infected. You're going to die. Um, so that's last stand aftermath. And finally, this is our mini feature. I'm only going to spend five minutes on this, and then we'll get out of here kind of early because then we're going to do our feature, which is what I'm thankful for this year in terms of the FOSS. But, uh, I really want to talk about this new game called XO1. EXO, that's Echo, X-Ray, uh, October, space, October, November, Echo, XO1. XM1 puts you in a ball. You're an astronaut who is now put into an alien spacecraft that is shaped like a ball. And you are put onto various different planets after a mission to Jupiter goes horribly awry and it's full of stars. And so you go to all of these crazy alien planets that have this uh, network of um, beacons that are like light space inducing rail guns that shoot you and your ball to the next location and you're you're an astronaut you're told in flashbacks that you, right now you can't see um, cause you have to make a choice. You can either see the, the cutscenes or whatever, which are not that many and not that numerous. Most of which occur in game and are in the form of voiceovers, um, and radio traffic from, you know, your life before you merged with the craft. And we'll get to that in a moment. I'm not gonna tell you too much about the story cause that's pretty much all that there is that you need to know about the story. But, um, you have a choice. You can either, Play it with Glorious Egg Roll's um, 21 release or you can run it without using a Steam compatibility tool and get the use of a controller. Use of a controller, highly recommended over seeing the cutscenes. Eventually they'll fix the cutscenes, I'm sure. The game is fun to play over and over again. I haven't beaten it yet. I only have two and a half hours logged in, which is not, does not sound right. But anyway. So here's the deal about the mysterious alien craft that you're piloting. It has no real propulsion system. And you learn this at the beginning of the game, as I think it's your character explains to a journalist, a science journalist, that X01, this craft that the aliens have given to you somehow, it's a ball it's a circ it's a sphere it's a sphere and it looks kind of like molten lava it has no propulsion system well it it does have a propul- it, well it doesn't have a propulsion system in of itself it can roll and so it has what they call a gravity drive. there are two modes to the to the ball to when you're flying to when you're piloting the ball. You can roll on the ground and you can fly in the air by flattening out the ball. So it's almost like it has wings. Um, the way you... And you can jump. You can jump on the ground. You can, like, hop. But the way this works, and the way this is such a brilliant fucking game we're talking about, and we will review the game in its entirety um, sometime before uh, I go to Hawaii in February um, or maybe we'll save it for then. But the thing is there's two modes. The first mode which is like the let's go down mode increases gravity ten times the local strength. All of these uh, planets you explore these alien planets, they all have localized gravity. Very similar to Earth. So 10 times sucks you down to the ground and makes a simple tiny hill makes you roll 10 times faster down that tiny hill. Then you let go of that and so you're at neutral gravity and you're rolling really fast and you roll from like let's say you're in a gully you roll down the half pipe at 10 times the gravity, so you're getting 10 times the inertia. And then you let go at the bottom of the half pipe. This is like the ideal way to do it. And then you just use the natural gravity to go up the half pipe, which you jump off of about halfway up, and then you go to the other mode. And you can switch these at will instantaneously. Like you can go bam Each meaning you're switching from mode to mode. It's it's great. It's very fluid, very effortless, it's very intuitive, and it is very efficient. So the other mode negates all gravity to like Earth's moon gravity level of gravity. It's like you know, one tenth gravity. So you can build speed very quickly, super quickly, and launch yourself with super force. And then fly for super lengths in the low gravity mode. And then you can also dive in when you're flying. You can, you can dive like a hang glider and you can, uh, also jump in, in the, in the, um, in the glider mode, but you're gliding at outrageous speeds. Um, and eventually once you get good at the game, you figure out how to parlay all of these things, all these, Abilities, which are upgradable, you find upgrades, inscrutable. It's 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 a magical game, and it's absolutely gorgeous. Um, you're on these alien planets. Uh, you want to fly through clouds because clouds uh, somehow recharge the kinetic energy that's inside of x one. Your you know your spacecraft or whatever. Um, but you can also go underwater. You can also skip across giant oceans that are being hit by humongous meteor attacks in the middle of of storms. You will see shit that is, my God, it's full of stars. 2001-esque shit that is just incredible, visually. All while hurtling and flying and just exploring always trying to go to the nearest beacon, though, ultimately, that's where you always want to go. Um, frozen worlds, swamp worlds, ocean worlds, desert worlds, hybrid worlds, worlds that are, you know, like, like I said, meteor storms are just amazing. And then you go into hyperspace, and you're, like, going faster than the speed of light, and you can see reality split apart in, like, these prism, these kaleidoscopic, prismatic... Uh, fractal universes that split from a center line in the middle of your your vision as you, as you watch. The game is played in the third person, but you you see like when there's lightning strikes, just like in uh, Metroid Prime. Like you see reflections of yourself and your former life in in the interior of your your spacesuit's mask and and so like it it it's. It's amazing but it's really the premise of the physics model that's so impressive because eventually you get good enough to where you can go hypersonic almost at will. You can break the sound barrier and stay there for very long periods of time meaning you're covering humongous distances. It's a very relaxing, very interesting game that was developed by one guy. Only one guy worked on this game. Um, And it's $15 and I think 99 cents. It is $15 and 29 cents. It's 10% off now through November 25th. X01, I I don't like relaxing. I do like crazy physics models with like an innovative alien spacecraft. It's like Flight of the Navigator. There's no weapons that I've seen um, and there's no enemies that I've seen. Uh, but it's this constant exploration. It's like No Man's Sky but um, not procedurally generated. All the levels are are static that I've played so far. Um, but that in no way means that there's no replay value because it's just as good the second time, if not better, because I found more power-ups the second time. Um, and I haven't beaten it yet, but I did start an, a whole new game. You could only have one game running at a time um, check out the live stream for more video of us playing that, but literally getting to ultrasonic speeds and then also, like, learning that the craft is waterproof and that you can skip over the ocean like a stone skipping over the ocean like a stone um is so impressive and then just becoming a glider and then also the sheer force and power and kinetic energy that you can build up while rolling as a ball, and you can roll up almost any surface, uh, even at normal gravity. Um, not sheer cliff walls, but you can fly up sheer cliff walls. That's not a problem. Um, the real the real emphasis on this is a, mo- a physics based model of flight that is unlike anything that you've ever experienced uh, in an exploration in a free form. Um, inscrutable exploration kind of poetry that reminds me very much of the aesthetic uh, model and design ethos behind games like um, Ico. Ico Ico is very similar to this game only you don't have like a little friend although you do get a little friend for a while in this game mm. and you will see shit that is just amazing it is just amazing it is absolutely gorgeous and so much fun to play. So check out XO one It's good for all ages. It's a little scary, I'd imagine, for little kids. Because, But whatever. They don't have to pay attention to, like, certain story elements. It's not scary, scary. It's not jump scare, scary. It's like, you know, well, is he ever going to get back? Kind of scary, big, big long conversations to have with uh, little ones in your family. And so, with that, that's X01. Um, and I, you know, if you miss the sale, it does not matter. It's worth like, you know, what? It's 10% off. So they want like 16 bucks. Fucking X01. Everyone loves this game. Everyone who's played it loves this game. You should play it and love this game, even without the cinema. This is not a review. We'll have a full review. Some other time, Ivor. Base them with the feature so we can tell these fucking ungrateful mother, ungrateful motherfuckers. You ingrates! What the fuck? We're thankful for this fucking holiday, goddamn it! And we can get the fuck out of here. Who do you think? Oh my God. It's the Libyans. Never gonna let you down. I can read your mind. This week's teacher. I can't read you. I can't read you. I can read your mind. Take it, Scootie. Bolivia! Alright, so it's Thanksgiving time in America, and that means it's time for our traditional What I'm Thankful For in the Foss little speech, I don't know do we have time to get some music together for this, I know we're late anyway, drop the needle we're going to go in reverse order we're going to go in ascending order of importance, so these are not really in any particular order, but the last couple are, are the most important, so first off the thing I'm thankful for this year which is not necessarily a false thing, but is you know, blah, we're coming out of the pandemic I'm thankful for the vaccine. So go get your fucking shots, people. Like I just found out that this chick that I'm I was kind of pursuing is an anti-vaxxer. It depressed the shit out of me. It made me want to die. I mean, it was super depressing. I was like, oh no. Why have I wasted so much time on you? But um uh, the vaccine and coming out of the pandemic, pandemic, definitely thankful for. Another thing I'm thankful for this year. Specifically a FOSS thing. Valve's communication over the Steam Deck Delay. I thought that the way they handled this is the only classy way to handle it. I mean, sure, they only asked for like five bucks to like, you know, get into the queue to reserve one or whatever. But they came out months ahead of... You know the holiday season release date, and they did the responsible thing and said, "Look, it's going to be at least two extra months, so it's not going to be in time for the holiday. So if you're getting this for your kids, you know you need to make other plans. Um, you're going to keep your same place in the queue, but and then they then they talk, you know, rationally. I don't know about how much of it is the supply chain, but you know, let's give them the benefit of the doubt." Um, and say it's a supply chain that it, you know, two months is not unreasonable and the other thing that makes me happy about them coming out and just saying look, it's going to be delayed blah, as I was talking to BPR a couple weeks ago this is too important for them to fuck up, so, I mean, because like a lot is writing on this, if this doesn't materialize and at least work, for the most part, for most people it will be one of it will be a huge disaster for the Idiosphere and will further delay and entrench interests that are not um amenable and who are acting i think in bad faith like EAC and the Epic Store it will further entrench them in their recalcitrant positions to resist any uh overture or invitation to make their products support Linux it's not fair but that is how Valve couched this and it's what Valve is pushing for in this and it could be a huge game changer or a massive crippling albatross that will just you know, further demonstrate to some people, I mean because at this point it's kind of irrefutable that Linux, that's the other thing I'm thankful for It is now irrefutable that you can fucking game on Linux. You can game like a rock star. Can't play every game, but most games, for the first time ever in my life, you know, if you can play it on a PC, chances are above 50%. I'd say 60-70% to that you can play it on a Linux machine. Of course, the last real remaining stalwart holdouts are Tim Sweeney and fucking Uh, Epic and his control of EAC but once we we will cross that hurdle one day by hook or crook one day maybe we'll be maybe we'll still be here maybe we won't but one day we will cross that Rubicon we will cross that line and then there's nothing else that's really going to prevent you know, it's going to be either a console world or a PC world. And if it's a PC world, it's going to include Linux. That is something that I, I don't think I've ever felt this confident about in the future, um, occurring as I do now. Uh, so it's been a, you know, another great year for the FOSS in general and all of the advancements that, well, we'll get to those. Other thing I'm thankful for, one-person developers. Finally, it is now possible to live the dream of being a one-man development team. Do everything yourself. It's still super hard and still super slow, but it's never been easier. And more people are putting out more great games as one, one-person one developer, like X01. xo one is great. Duskers... Um Tim Sweeney just really pushed out a massive update to Duskers. I have not played it nor do I intend to play it because I've played enough Duskers. Um but these guys are really living the dream and and not just, you know, one person developers, but you know, small like one, two people, three people, but one person has always been the dream and uh having lived it and having lived it as a nightmare kind of um because I'm not good at doing modern uh, next generation texture texture design. It's hard. It's a skill in of itself. And, you know, you have your hands full doing a lot of other things. But other than that, like, it is possible. It is possible. And these people are demonstrating it over and over again. And there's nothing more false than taking, you know, taking your future in your own hands and going, you know what? No one else is going to make this game. I think I can do it. Putting in the hours, putting in the research, boning up on your skills, getting your shit together, putting together a plan, putting together a design plan, figuring out like a realistic time frame that you're going to exceed by about two years, and then going at it and going at it in your spare time, and now it is feasible, technologically feasible, for that to actually happen. For someone, literally, who works a full-time job, to just be able to spend, like, maybe an hour and a half every night, you know, for a significantly long time, uh, and you're going to spend a lot more than that, and there'll be a lot of sleepless nights, uh, but you can make your own fucking games now. And that is, you know, that's always been the dream. That's the democratization of technology. That's the democratization of this marketplace. It's also what has saved the video game industry, ironically. Um, cause I mean, everything was just, it was, it, it was, it, the reason why it's taken me so long to put out a digital version of Blue Wizards about to die is that for most of the period, the 15 years now, something like that, it's 2003. So it's eight years. 18 years, some, I don't know, fucking forever, over half my life. That, oh, for most of that period, it looked like, um, it looked like the game industry was going to cannibalize itself and destroy the medium of the video game through its own hubris and greed and monopolization. Um, stuff like Steam and forces like the Foss Idiosphere have shown that it is not only possible but feasible and economically beneficial to take more risks on more uh independent ideas and that all ideas and from any idea from any good idea profits can actually be made and realized um the, you know of course the major AAA development and publishing conglom, conglomcos are, you know, not going to ever openly admit that, but it's, it's what saved video gaming. At least it's what saved it for me. So I'm thankful for that as well. Uh, and that brings us to our next thing. And it's just a simple one, simple item on the list. The FOSS, the FOSS itself from which all power flows. More specifically, Uh, A better example, of someone that I'm thankful for, I think I was thankful for them last year and their efforts, Glorious Eggroll, who's tireless fucking work. I mean, he's tireless. He's relentless. Tireless work to, you know, update port, make more compatible to provide that final bridge necessary that's not quite ready for, you know, upstream uh, proton and stuff he makes it work. He's the, the last, you know, he's the last link that makes it work, and he's a model of, what, of the FOSS mindset, and his efforts have unlocked the power of the FOSS. People don't realize this. Games are a gateway to the FOSS. You know, one of the biggest things that prevented people from Linux was either one, a bad experience, two, bad reputation which was well-earned and well-deserved because, fuck, back in the day, it was impossible to fucking get anything running or get it to work. Uh, and I'm talking about, like, this is before X11, like, even getting to, like, a desktop environment. Um, but he's unlocking the power for tens of thousands of people uh, to actually make the switch to FOSS. Not, you know, necessarily full-time, but to dual-boot, to experiment, to experiment a little bit. With Linux and not come up with, you know, 16 hours of frustration and a broken computer, but instead actually getting the game that they want to work on an operating system that's that will free them. Um, and that's what it's all about. And so many thanks to Glorious roll. I mean, he is a paradigm. He's he's a fucking, you know, he is he is the model. Um um, next, the, the Gaben and Valve simply put, simply stated, that's it yeah, Gabe Newell and Valve um, blah RetroArch, the RetroArch project, the Lib Retro project uh, who actually will, because of their efforts will be enabling the project that I'm working on subsequent to the end of this podcast uh, not this episode, but the you know when this reaches end of life, which is rapidly approaching. Um, it has definable features. Let's put it that way. Uh, Retroarch will be instrumental, and uh, yeah, will be instrumental in what comes next, and provides for the first time ever. I know it's not perfect yet, especially not the Steam Retroarch. And yes, there used to be other ways that were kind of better, that I liked kind of more, and that were, you know, blah, but this is like the one emulation system to rule them all, at least in terms of on Linux, and it provides a front end that's good enough for the most part, kind of, um, it's not as flashy or as customizable as i like it, it's not as easily customizable as I'd like it, but it does make it super easier than it's ever been to play any fucking retro game that you might have and I, anything from an ISO to a ROM for so many I'm very thankful RetroArch and the Lib Retro Project super thankful for ProtonDB I mean who makes all of our lives easier every day there's not a time that I go to buy a video game that I don't check ProtonDB I also do my best to several times a year go in batches and, you know, upload my reports. Also, anytime that, like a major game comes out that doesn't seem to have any reports that I can report on, I do those in real time, I do those as soon as possible just to get the word out, you know, whether it works or whether it doesn't or what I had to do or whatever. And really what we found, especially over this last year is, as ProtonDB has fully reached, is reached blossomed into something that's like pretty close to full maturity with a huge, huge contributor uh, base and a huge reader base um all not for profit, I gotta remember to fucking send them some money uh, you know, 50 bucks, I mean you don't understand, like that makes a big difference like if, you know, 10 people send them 50 bucks, That's like, you know, that's gonna take care of their fucking their server rental for, you know at least a month um and that's a month that they don't have to pay. And trust me, they will be happy about that. But uh I think that as it's re- as ProtonDB has reached full maturity, um what I find myself going there f- for most of all is to see the technical information that people who have gotten the game working, um, the hints and tips and tricks in that regard. And it's also great to be able to just see other people and what their experience of the game has been. You know, to judge your own, especially as a critic, it's been invaluable, and I'm really thankful to ProtonDB. I'm also thankful to the developers behind Hellish Court. And this is the only game that's specifically called out, just as its own item in this list. We're almost done. But Hellish Court brings back sword fighting like you would not believe, brings back Bushido Blade-style uh, fighting game dueling, one hit one kill, or complicated fucking back and forth conversations with swords, um, the likes of which I haven't seen since the original Machito Blade. It is much better than Machito Blade Two. It doesn't have katanas. It, but it it does bring back the rapier as blah, and it has a whole host of interesting characters. It's historically accurate and is very realistic, and after this most recent update, is one of my... I play this game at least once a week, and have been uh, throughout its entire term in early access... Um, it is beyond worth picking up even in early access and they, the developers are relentless. They keep adding shit to it and making it better and they're adding a story mode. They're adding all this stuff and they are, they are really impassioned, historically driven um, real life uh, European martial arts sword competitive sword freaks in their own rights. They 3D scan. All of the clothing, not from like some sort of fucking, you know, fantasy tailor. No, they went to their fucking museum and are like, Hey, can we fucking, you know, we, we're going to bring a 3D scanner in here. Can we 3D scan these outfits that you have from this time period, from the 1600s in Poland? Um, and so like, you know, they're fastidious and, they know what they're doing and they know what they're talking about and they've already made a great game. And I'm super thankful for, th- for all the work that Hellish Court has done. It's just, it's, it's an amazing game, even as it is. Uh, and it's irreplaceable. There's no one else who's making another game that's like Hellish Court that I know of that's on the near horizon or that's playable or is anywhere near as advanced as Hellish Court is. It's, it's come a long way, baby. For reals. This last update total game changer, they introduced a stamina system, a right of way system um you know, blah, there's still a lot of stuff to do but they're adding two new characters they already have like ten, it's pretty awesome, and it's just one of those things that like, I'm, you know where you're like, ah, what am I gonna play and you don't wanna play something that's like, super heavy I wish that it had in-game matchmaking but whatever, that will probably come one day soon want to also express my thanks for every single person who takes the time to contribute in any way, whether it's documentation or trolls the forums and then pays it forward for any time that they've ever been helped by those same forums. I'm thinking of like five years ago, like all the time I spent on different Blender forums and stuff. Eventually, once I got good at Blender, you know, I would try to take, you know, like an hour out of every week, and just pay all the times that I got an answer from the forums forward so you don't necessarily have to be a developer or even like contribute to the document documentation or bug reports, or but if you've done those things that's great, or just straight up money that's also great, but like you can contribute in other ways to the community so anyone who's made any con- contribution in any way to any FOSS project, I am thankful for it is all of us together that makes this happen and you might not feel it like you're a big part of it, but you are part of it and you gotta contribute you know, you have to you have to pay it forward, you don't have to do it, I mean if you're new you don't have to worry about this so much you know, that's what we're here for you know, we're here to help you get on your feet and then you can teach other people to fish um and that's so true I mean I, I'm really if you had told me when I was 17 and I started and I started fucking around with Linux on Mandrake that we would ever get this far I you know wow Wow you come a long way baby so um, finally well next to finally penultimately, uh, I want to. I'm also super thankful for all the listeners and friends. Discord's run dry lately, but I still interact with super. I'm still able to interact with super smart, game savvy fucking Linux Dark Jedi users, you know, via the live stream, via um, d- DM on Twitter, via uh, Steam friends chats and stuff, um, and just. You know, on YouTube and other broadcasts, all all this shit. Um, and it, it, it just it's it really does help in in innumerable ways because it's like a psychological boost too to be able to just know that like you know you're not alone, um, and to be able to. Uh, be lucky enough to uh, be able to draw on these informed opinions of people who know what the fuck they're talking about and the views and like what is on their minds of technically serious technically literate people who also love games and who who really love Linux and who know what the FOSS is about and these were things that I never had um, until long after like over 15 years of uh Linux, which was for me always a lonely thing. Um, and even though people, you know, in in our community come and go, um, I mean, I'm not for everybody. That's fine. It does mean a lot to know that I can reach out and take the temperature of, you know, truly smart peeps like our listener, listeners, like our one listener, our, our listeners. And I'm super, super thankful for that. And, uh, also for all of the other people who, Spend their, you know, spend some of their weekends producing shows about the FOSS, uh, talking about the FOSS and who, you know, make explainer videos on YouTube and who take the time to document, you know, how to stuff on their websites and blogs. Um, but it's really our listeners that, you know, are, they are the greatest. Um, and then finally, I'm most thankful for for this Thanksgiving episode 2021 that the Steam Winners sale hasn't started before having to record this episode before Thanksgiving every fucking year it would start the goddamn Steam Winter sale like a week before Thanksgiving and that meant no one got to have Thanksgiving and there's one year where every fucking week from now until New Year's Every goddamn holiday happened on a Friday. Except for Thanksgiving, which is on on a Thursday, but they started the goddamn sale. Anyway, I can now have a Thanksgiving. Hopefully you will too. Uh, And hopefully uh, we'll be with, you know, people that, even if you don't like them, you'll you'll pretend to like them for just this one year, and you'll be able to see them again. Which is super exciting. If if you if you're not from America, you don't know how big a deal American Thanksgiving actually has become. It's this... It's this huge connect, huge reconnection of community and stuff. And that's why Thanksgiving used to be and still kind of is my favorite holiday. So fuck you if you disagree with any of the points on this. You are a cocksucker and you are getting windows... For Christmas, for Christmika, for Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, Kwanzika, Kwanzamus, Christmas, Christmas, Hanukkah, Wanzanus. and fuck you. Anyway, cheers. That concludes our holiday episode. I will of course catch you next week when we will have more to talk about in terms of Last and aftermath. XO one thirty XX. Sherlock Holmes, Chapter 1, Sherlock Holmes, Crime and Punishment, etc. Have a happy and safe Thanksgiving. And if you're traveling, wear a mask. Especially if they tell you to. And get vaccinated! Later days. Four or five times. A good idea. Four or five times. Hi there. There is delight in doing things right. Four or five times. It is I, Maybe Farmer. farmer Maybe I'll cry I'll get you a drink And if I die, I'm gonna try Four or five times Do you like to play? We like to play I like you We like to see. It only runs on Linux We like to go, yaddy yaddy the Four or five times We're gonna have such fun Bebop 1 You're becoming hysterical Bebop 2 Yes, sir Thank you, sir. Burn everything incriminating, including this building. Burn all the White House pets and then yourselves. Burn yourselves first. There is no Windows version of weaponized chess. Boy, well, this is fucking ponderous, man. Ponderous, fucking ponderous.